0: Loving Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for giving us the grace and the privilege to be among the living today. We thank you, Lord, for protection and guidance. We thank you for good health. We thank you, Father, for giving out unto us everything that will make our lives bearable, makes our lives comfortable and beautiful. All these things we get not because of our righteousness or goodness, but in your mercy and your love, you have deemed it fit to bless us. Thank you, loving Father. We want our lives to give glory to your name. Please grant us of your spirit. Grant us of your grace. Help us, Lord, to abide in your words. That as we listen to the words of our devotion this morning, it shall be a a stimulus. It shall be something that will give us zeal to follow after you and to do your will and to walk in righteousness and holiness, doing what is right and well-pleasing in your sight. Do this for us, O Lord, and grant us the words to speak that will be a blessing to all who would be listening to us, that all of us may be lifted up to heavenly places, that the image of the Lord Jesus may be formed in our lives. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Our High Calling, October 8 Subject to God's Call And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me." Genuine self-denial will be practiced by all who follow Christ. Judas undertook to follow Christ and at the same time to carry out his selfish, covetous plans. He had the same privileges as had the other disciples. He had the same privileges of hearing the lessons of Christ, which plainly presented practical godliness. But he was not always pleased with the plain truth. It caught him. And instead of taking up personal labor with Judas Iscariot, he found fault with the words and works of Christ. And criticized his plain teachings instead of being transformed in character he was cultivating self-love self-esteem and the love of money to live for self is to perish covetousness the desire of benefit for self's sake cuts the soul off from life it is the spirit of Satan to get, to draw to self. It is the Spirit of Christ to give, to sacrifice self for the good of others. There can be no self-seeking in the life of him who follows the Savior. The true Christian banishes all selfishness from his heart. How can he live for self as he thinks of Christ? hanging on the cross, giving his life for the life of the world. In your behalf, Jesus died the death of shame. Are you willing to consecrate yourself to his service? To hold yourself ready to be or to do anything he may require? Are you willing to put self aside and speak a word of warning to the companion you see yielding to Satan's temptations? Are you willing to sacrifice some of your plans for the sake of trying to lead him in safe paths? Many youth are in peril who might be saved if Christians would manifest toward them a loving, unselfish interest. The true Christian works unselfishly and untiringly for the Master. He does not seek ease or self-gratification, but holds all, even life itself, subject to God's call. And to him are spoken the words, He that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Matthew chapter 10 verse 39. Amen. The devotion is titled, Subject to God's Call, already making us understand that we are not subject to our own desires, but to God's call. It is addressing self-seeking, covetousness, selfishness, and that means a mindset that always thinks, that always revolves around self. A life that is self-centered. What does it mean to be self-centered? The other day we talked about what it means to be God-centered or family-centered. To be self-centered means to ask the question, what is in it for me before you do anything? So before you embark on anything, you ask yourself, what benefit am I going to get from it? And if you cannot see what benefits you will get from it, you will not do it. What benefit is there for God? Maybe there might be great benefit for God, but you feel like, oh no, no, no. As far as I'm not seeing what benefit I will get from it. I cannot use my talent, my time, my resources, my money, and my whole skill for this work because I'm not seeing anything. Not that there's nothing there's nothing in it to nothing to please self, to glorify self in that thing. It is not self-glory to go to someone's door and knock and tell them I want to have a Bible study with you and then the person says please I'm not interested get out or just denies you politely self is so alive in many that to get a rejection from someone else is a really painful experience but this devotion is telling us to live for God to be subject to God's call and not to our own desires I will read a few parts from the devotion once again to bring that to view It says, first of all, in the first paragraph, genuine self-denial will be practiced by all who follow Christ. Genuine self-denial. Self-denial covers so many parts of our lives. Self-denial helps us to deny ourselves the pleasure of sin. But it goes beyond that. Self-denial helps us to deny ourselves things that in and of themselves are good. But for the sake of the glory of God, we deny ourselves those things. And that is deep self-denial that we are talking about in this devotion. And then in the next paragraph it says To live for self is to perish Covetousness, The desire of of benefit for self's sake Cuts the soul off from life That statement is too deep I just hope the Holy Spirit will set it to our hearts To make us understand how How does covetousness cut the soul That desire to always think of self What is benefit in it for me That that idea, that attitude Cuts the soul off from life The third paragraph says, There can be no self-seeking in the life of him who follows the Savior. The true Christian banishes all selfishness from his heart. How can he live for self? So I think it is when someone has not seen this that they they are still selfish. And what is that? How can he live for self as he thinks of Christ hanging on the cross, giving his life for the life of the world? In your behalf, Jesus died a death of shame. Are you willing to consecrate yourself to his service, to hold yourself ready to be or to do anything he may require? Are you willing to put self aside and speak a word of warning to the companion you see yielding to Satan's temptations? So here, I think the solution then to self-seeking and covetousness is to behold Christ and his death on the cross. When you think of who this person is, he is God, creator of heaven and earth and the whole universe. That is Jesus. And he left all his glory and honor and adoration, which he receives from all created beings and all angels in all the worlds and all galaxies. Came down to this tiny speck of dust in the universe called earth. Reduced himself to this, to, to, to be, to a woman's womb to be born. Allowed himself to be taught. By a woman or a family grew up in a home of poverty and suffering and toil and then gave his life not for self-seeking now, but going from place to place, gave himself for the, for others. What benefit was there for Jesus while healing people? Nobody paid him a dime. If Jesus was to be paid for all the heart surgeries and all the uh sicknesses that he healed. Even how much can one pay for resurrection of the dead? I mean, if the if hospitals could resurrect the dead, oh, they would take all your life savings. In fact, how who are you? They would take all Bill Gates' life savings just to do that. But Jesus did all these things free of charge, no self-seeking, free of charge, nothing in it for him. Fed five thousand men and other women and children in one day. How much would people have paid for that? And then, teaching. His Bible studies that he gave, how much can someone pay for that? For every hour he spends in teaching people. Sometimes he spent a whole day teaching. One of the 5,000 that he he fed, it had been three days he had been teaching them. Healing and all that. This is a life that is devoid of self-seeking. Perfect self-denial. And that's why he said, whosoever will come after me must deny himself take up his cross and follow me after doing all this he then permitted himself to go through a shameful death and if you just say shameful death it does not really depict what really happened that day from the day he was captured beaten with rods taken to Pilate, from Pilate to Herod, Herod back to Pilate, four flogged 40 stripes on his back, the discussions he had which were even emotionally and mentally troubling, and then carrying his cross to the point that he could not take it anymore. And someone had to help him carry it. Then finally, the nails pierced his hands, and he was put on that cross and died there. After looking at this kind of life, If you think carefully about it, I am sure, like the reading says, that your covetousness, our covetousness will be cured. We will realize that if someone could do all this for my sake, then why should I not give myself for his sake? He has done a lot. It is really, really bad. if, After he has done this for me, if he calls me to be or to do whatever he wants me to be or do, and i give him excuses and say i cannot do it i'm busy making money for myself i'm busy trying to make ends meet for my family or there's nothing wrong with all these things by the way but you should be so subject to god's call that he should be the one determining for you where to go to what to do who to be you know many of us choose a career for ourselves nothing wrong with that but did you consult jesus before doing that and even after choosing a career, your, your daily life should be so subject to God that you are ready to do his will. And his will is not something you wait in the morning and be expecting him to talk to you directly. His will is written in his word already. He said, go ye into all the world and teach all nations. He has told everybody to do that. And that's what this, this devotion is about. Denying ourselves to help others that there might be some youth somewhere who is perishing in sin. And you have the ability, or even if you don't have the ability, at least you can try to just do something to help this person. And if you do not go for evangelisms, I'm not talking of organized evangelisms now, personal, just go and discuss with people or even when it is organized, but we don't have to wait for organized ones. You can just see people in your environment and have discussions with them, intimate discussions, and try to assist them to rise up to Christ. It will help you, but the thing is that we don't know that it's helping us but then to give up your own plans, your own desires, so that you can assist someone who needs help, then that is a self-denial asked to practice. And it gets deeper and deeper. And you get to understand it more and more as you walk with Christ. There needs to be no payment given to you yet. That's not what God is asking for. He's not asking you, come, I will pay you. No. Do what he has asked you to do, but he said he will take care of us. Ask what is God's will. What does he want me to do? and he will direct you somewhere else in the reading after asking those questions it says the true christian the last paragraph the true christian works unselfishly and entirely for the master he does not seek ease or self-gratification but holds all even life itself subject to god's call before that it had said many youth are in peril who might be saved if christians would manifest toward them a loving unselfish interest now someone will say okay what plans do i need to change Okay, let's start with organized evangelisms so perhaps there's one organized somewhere and you have your plans i think we can start from there you can choose to drop your plans and give yourself over to god to use you during that evangelism going from place to place door to door two by two studying with people or if you have you can look for a companion if you are married it can be your wife if you are not, you can find a good friend of yours and discuss and tell the person so that you can have courage. Tell the person because Jesus said we should go two by two. Let Can can we please just go and study the Bible with people? And just go. You don't need any organized evangelism. Go to someone in your neighborhood who you know you will have a long time with. Not somebody you just study with once in the place where you know you are staying for a long time. Have people you are studying with there. Knock on their doors and ask questions. You will be surprised and shocked how many people are looking for this word of truth. Many people, the devil puts it in our mind that, oh, they are going to reject me. And even if they will reject you, that is the kind of life Christ lived. The Bible says that he came to his own and his own received him not. So when you experience those things, you now understand what it means to walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. When you are rejected by people, you now remember, oh, this was how Christ was also rejected. But then you'll still be accepted by some and they'll be so grateful that you came to preach to them the truth and not just explaining jesus loves you you have to go deep into giving people the third in just message and letting them know the warning that god has given in revelation chapter 14 verse 9 downwards and let them be delivered from, come out of babylon although i'm not saying that you must go straight into that but the main thing i'm saying is how to start just get someone go together knock on the doors you have different experiences but all those experiences are adding to your faith It is increasing your knowledge. It is bringing you closer and closer to Christ. Let it be something of a personal decision, not necessarily organized. I think in these ways, you can choose to deny self. The truth is, if we just keep studying our Bibles ourselves, it will not be enough. Our Christian experience will not be perfect. It will not give us that perfection that we desire. It is in going out that it completes our Uh, experience it is prayer bible study and witnessing so if you are doing only prayer and bible study without witnessing you will not get that perfect experience it is something that will still be lacking so let's pray god helps us to know how to go about it in jesus name okay to the question what is self-denial i would want to read a comprehensive definition of self-denial from testimonies volume four page 521 it will be in paragraph 2 but I will start reading from paragraph 1 alright it says angels are engaged night <coughs> night and day in the service of God for the uplifting of man in accordance with the plan of salvation man is required to love God supremely that is with all his might, mind and strength and his neighbor as himself this he cannot possibly do unless he shall deny himself said christ whosoever will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me so from here we first of all see angels use as examples of what they do they are engaged night and day in service of god not to uplift themselves but to uplift man in accordance with the plan of salvation now we are supposed to take a cue from what the angels do because they are practicing self denial in doing that so for us too if we must come after christ we must also deny ourselves and walk in the service of others meanwhile christ will be working for us now the definition of self-denial it says self-denial means to rule the spirit when passion is seeking for the mastery to resist the temptation to censure and to speak fault-finding words to have patience with the child that is dull and whose conduct is grievous and trying, to stand at the post of duty when others may fail, to, leave, to lift responsibilities wherever and whenever you can, not for the purpose of applause, not for policy, but for the sake of the Master who has given you a work to be done with unwavering fidelity, when you might praise yourself to keep silent and let other lips praise you. Self-denial is to do good to others where inclination will lead you to serve and please yourself. Although your fellow men may never appreciate your efforts or give you credit for them, yet you are to walk on. Wonderful. That's the definition for self-denial. Okay, going on to Expand on what self-denial is in the next paragraph. It says, Search carefully and see whether the truth which you have accepted has become a firm principle with you. Do you take Christ with you when you leave the closet of prayer? Does your religion stand guard at the door of your lips? Now, hear this question. It says, Is your heart drawn out out in sympathy and love for for others outside of your own family? You know, praying for your family is still some kind of uh, selfishness, mm-hmm. because it's your family, and it seems there's something in it for you, and that's why the question is asked. Outside your family, are there others you pray for? Of which those people are praying for, there's really no benefit you are going to get from them when your prayers are answered on their behalf. So that's why that question is asked. Then the next question, are you diligently seeking a clearer understanding of scriptural truth that you may let your light shine forth to others? These questions you may answer to your own souls. Let your speech be seasoned with grace and your demeanor show Christian elevation there's so much to say about this but I just pray the Holy Spirit sets it to the heart of everyone who is listening to understand even more deeply than what I have said in Jesus name
1: Amen I'm reading from Maranatha page 74 Maranatha page 74 how shall we know for ourselves God's goodness and his love the psalmist tells us not to hear and know, read and know or believe and know but taste and see that the Lord is good Instead of relying upon the word of another, taste for yourself. So in this reading about subjecting ourselves to the will of God, no matter what is being said, you have to taste for yourself what it means like, for that is where your freedom lies. When you taste freedom, no one will tell you what freedom means. You will want to tell others what it means yourself. Experience is knowledge derived from experiment. Experimental religion is what we need now. Some, yes a large number, have a theoretical knowledge of religious truth, but have never felt the renewing power of divine grace upon their own hearts. They believe in the wrath of God. They put forth no earnest efforts to escape it. They believe in heaven, but make no sacrifice to obtain it. They know a remedy for sin, but do not use it. They know the right, but have no relish for it. All their knowledge but increase their condemnation they have never tasted and learned by experience that the Lord is good just like Judas Judas knew all he knew but it only increased to his condemnation because he never used what he had to taste and see that the Lord was indeed good to become a really a disciple of God really to become a disciple of Christ is to deny self and follow Jesus through evil as well as good report which Judas was not willing to do. When it was evil report, Satan feared his mind to deny his master. To become a disciple of Christ is to deny self and follow Jesus through evil as well as good report. Every darling indulgence that hinders our religious life must be cut off. Will we put forth earnest efforts and make sacrifices proportionate to the worth of the objects to be attained? It's a question we are going to answer today whether we will put forth that kind of effort that is necessary and sacrifice is necessary to obtain the object we are looking for. Every association we form, however limited, exerts some influence upon us. The extent to which we yield to that influence will be determined by the degree of intimacy, the constancy of the intercourse, and our love and veneration for the one with whom we associate. Thus, by acquaintance and association with Christ, we may become like him the one faultless example if we want to know what it means to taste and see for well, taste and see that the Lord is good indeed let us form an association with Christ and come close to him all the time and the more closer we we'll come to him the more we will be getting something about himself and we will be trying to, it will be showing in our lives as the reader have said that no matter the association we form, even if it is small, it will exert its influence upon us to the extent we yield. To the extent we yield to that influence, will be determined by the degree of intimacy, the constancy of the intercourse. So, if I'm constantly communing with Christ as I'm walking, as I'm doing whatever thing I'm doing, I am I am letting my soul open. To heaven. I am communion with God by prayer, secret prayer. Whenever I have my my private time, I open my Bible or any spiritual material to go through. It will affect me without me even knowing. Then I will be seen now. I will start liking what Christ likes, and before I know it, the su- selfishness that is inherent in man begins to vanish because His love is now taking its a uh, position of that selfishness. So he says, this is the way also it will work with Christ. Thus, by acquaintance and association with Christ, we may become like him, the one faultless example. So we need to ensure that our degree of intimacy with Christ is high. The constancy of the intercourse is, is very much. And then we will see that we will we'll indeed be able to say like the psalmist, oh, taste and say that the Lord is good. There is nothing that he will be told from those who walk uprightly. And it will not be difficult for us again to yield self. May God help us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
2: The title of the devotion once more is Subject to God's Call. And what have we been called to? The Bible says in Genesis, God said, Let us make man in our own image with the benefits and privileges and the blessings the lord has bestowed to man he only requires one thing and that's a reflection of himself in our lives the reading has told us that to live for self is to perish to live for self simply means to make self the highest uh, the highest consideration in our decisions the highest consideration in our plans the only person you consider the only thing you see it's your benefit but we didn't bring ourselves into life someone owns us someone made us um in the book of genesis 3 we have an issue an example of self-seeking when god told adam and eve not to eat the fruit the of knowledge of good and evil, someone came and promised them something. And what Satan promised them was for self alone. In Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says that verse 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. So, here, the first thing we observe here is that Eve was only considering herself. She ignored the instruction given by her master, by her Lord, who had been so good to him, to her, considering all that was made in Eden, all that was made for their good, the trees and the host of angels, and then the companion of God himself coming in day in, day out. She only thought about herself, what was good for the eyes, was pleasant to the eyes, good for food, rather. And was five, Satan promised her, then your eyes shall be open. Notice what is saying there. Your eyes ye shall be as God. It's almost like the eye mentality, you, you, you. Center of the whole thing was Eve. And what did it lead to? It led to her disobeying God. The Bible says that we have been bought with a price. God is the one who bought us. And to be, to be honest, when we see who God is, we cannot hesitate to call him our father. We cannot hesitate to call him our God. We cannot hesitate to submit ourselves to him. I'm reminded of the case of Peter. We know this story very well. If God was wicked, you could see when Peter denied Jesus three times. How did Jesus treat him? How did he handle his faults? Even before he fell, Peter was boastful and proud and claiming that he could do all for Jesus. But Jesus said to him, Peter, Peter, Satan is desiring to sift you, but I have prayed for you. Even when Peter did not realize his, his, his weakness, Jesus was there holding on for him. And now, you trace it back to Adam and Eve's case. When 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 God came to visit them, you could see that it was in pity that He came. So, we cannot be the best organizer of our life. We cannot organize life around us, for we receive too many benefits from God, for which we cannot deny. Our main purpose in life is to please God, and that is the secret of our happiness. So, I pray that we will not see God as someone who is not planning for our own good for he has given us sufficient evidence in life that he means us well so that we can safely say like jesus deny ourselves and follow him for he is the best example we have may the lord help us in jesus name amen speaking of a life of self-denial is a life of service the things in nature serve the son serves it does the work God gives it to the glory of God. The rain falls at the command of God. The fruits we eat are fruits from trees that are obedient to God's call. None serves themselves. None is for their own use. The sun shines to give us light and warmth and, and help us to take care of ourselves. The, the, the fruits on the trees we eat are from plants that take sunlight, rain, they go through storms for the sake of others, then we have the rain, we have the the angels, everybody is serving for the good of the other, and it is in serving and helping others that there is joy in life, a life that seeks self can never be happy, you finish all your pleasure and you still be looking for more. But I want to use an analogy, a story somewhere, not an analogy, a story. A time I went to visit a home, um, it's one of these well-to-do homes, and I was going for a Bible study, and then when I knocked, the door was open, and there was this dog in the house. Usually, you should expect dogs to actually bark and show that, okay, I don't know who you are. So, I went into the house, and the dog followed me quietly. And then, (laughs) I sat down, the dog sat down by my side, almost like wanting me to cuddle it. And something went wrong somewhere. The owner of the dog was not happy. Why was she not happy? She complained, this is a dog, I'm not making you an enemy actually, but that's what she was trying to say, this is a dog I bought with my money, expecting it to do a certain work, at least to secure me. At least, to do something that can show that, okay, all the investment I had put in this dog comes forth. The owner of the dog had something in mind, but the dog was not fulfilling it. The dog ate, drank, slept, was housed, was taking, well taken care of in that house. In fact, at one day, when the gate was opened, the dog ran out. I was walking on the street so one, one of the children of the women of the woman had to go outside to bring by the dog so i could see the strain and the struggle i could see the disappointment i could see the trouble in the eyes of this woman my dog is not serving me the best so i'm not saying we are dogs of course we have our choices but then God has bought us. 1 Corinthians 6, we said that what know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. He says you have been bought with a price. Now, being bought in the price means we strayed the first time. Yes, we were God's own by creation. We were His from the origin. But we went astray. Now, God did something. The price for our purchase is His blood. His sacrifice on calvary it's not an easy journey so if i plug back this experience even though this didn't happen as in i plug it back to the story i was telling you I, I experienced now the dog went out then the owner of the dog decided to bring down herself and become a dog so that she can go in search of her dog and then try to do everything yet the dog refuses to be loyal or refuses to do the work. I know it's not even it cannot be imagined that a human being can be a dog, but that's the way it is for Jesus to bring down himself because this is God, this is the majesty of heaven, he who is worshipped. That's the same way you can imagine it. That Jesus brought down himself down to our, our level to pour the sinful flesh. Almost like going down in, like a pig. And for what? He was slapped. He was ridiculed. He was, he was, he was, uh, he was despised and afflicted just to make sure we are restored back to his own image. The reason why Jesus did all these things was not so that we could pity him. He saw in us that the wickedness of man has become so great. He saw that man was no longer reflecting the character of God. The call here I want to also bring forward from this story is that the call God is given to us is to deny our selfish heart. What is in ourselves? What is in ourselves? What is it? Hatred, anger, jealousy, evil surmising, wickedness, lies, adultery. What is it that Jesus really died for? What is it that we hold on to that gives us pride? Some of us, when we, when we can sing, we take pride in ourselves. But there's nothing good in us. The motive of our hearts are mostly impure. That's what Jesus died for. And what is he asking? Exchange this for my own character. Deny yourself simply means do not consult your con- your own convenience. I want myself to be reflected in you. Speaking of reflecting of God's character, God told Abraham, come, leave your father's house. He had to do self-denial and then I will make your name great. The greatness of Abraham was in obeying God. But you know the building of the Tower of uh, Babel, those people said, let us make a name for ourselves. Self-glory, self-esteem, self-love, you are the best, you you can do it. All those uh, self-centered messages do not allow you to reflect the character of God. So I want to uh, plead with us, I want to plead with myself so that in our day-to-day activities, people may get us annoyed wanting us to reflect the the someone who say the me that is in me. Yes, but we are asked to deny ourselves so that Christ in us will be reflected. I pray that this will be our experience. This will be our joy. This will be our hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, someone needs the help you have received from Jesus. I think that's one of the reasons why we need to practice self-denial. Our bodies our inclinations some of us may be introverts some of us may be very shy some of us may be too confident too some of us may be too bold but god wants to reach out to somebody through you through me we have to deny ourselves of our inclinations for those who are timid we have to say no to the timidity and receive the strength of christ so that we can help somebody We need to think more of the persons that are in need of Christ's help. And you're the only channel, you're the only light, you're the only example to show that person how Jesus will take care of them. Some would commit suicide if we don't tell them there is hope. Some would give up in their Christian faith if we don't deny our inclinations, our fears. Even sometimes our legs may be knocking. Our fears may be as high as a mountain but we should not pay any focus on all those things rather we should think of christ and then do what he wants us to do to help somebody else our work is a work of service our work is a work of help jesus said lo i am with you even to the end of the age so whether we are as timid as john or as bold as Peter, we need to rest our confidence in God and do what He wants us to do for the sake of that brother who needs help or that sister who needs help. And Lord bless us as we do this in Jesus name. Amen. Well thank you
1: Lord for today. We well, thank you for the morning. We well, thank you for your righteousness. Oh Lord, we ask that you help us to divest ourselves of self. Even though we cannot do it, we know that you are the one who will walk in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. Now Lord, you are already telling us of your good pleasure and you are willing in us but to will it and to do it. Please Lord, help us to cooperate with you. That as we go out today, we shall see us also to minister unto. Starting from our homes, help us to be ministers of God. Being stewards of this grace you have given to us. Help us not to hold it, O Lord, like Judas. But let us see in you, Lord, a companion and a friend. Let us look at the cross, O Lord, and may it always, may it always buoy our courage. And may it always remind us of your love for us, that that love may constrain us to do that which is right and righteous in your eyes. O Lord, that soul that is perishing today, whom you have put in our path, we will not neglect them my father help us may our eyes be open to see these individuals and help them and speak a word induces into him that is weary oh lord thank you for hearing us today keep our feet out of our steps as you have promised and bring us back safely today from all our businesses from all our walks, safely into your arms that we may recount your goodness to you of how you have led us during the day thank you oh lord we thank you for receiving even receiving the holy ghost For we have asked
2: in Jesus' name. Amen.